spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello and welcome to Castle Talk, where we talk to writers and creators of today's genre worlds. I'm your host, Jason Henderson, author of the upcoming quest for the Nautilus, Young Captain Nemo. This episode, we're chatting with Teresa Mercado, curator of the Scream Screen film series in Denver. They're in the middle of their 15th run for four Fridays at the Sea Film Center with a new series, Hell on Wheels, which began February 7th and goes on at 9.30 Fridays at the Film Center, featuring some of the best of terror on 2-4 and 10 wheels. Next up, February 28th, Dead End Drive-In. That's a 1986 Australian, I, I, I don't even know, I would call it a gonzo cult sci-fi horror film and director brian trenchard smith will be in person Teresa, welcome thank you thank you for having me i'm uh, honored to chat with you it's it's uh it's so funny i'm excited to chat with you because you and i have have you know crossed paths for uh years uh-huh. uh because you, you've you've been a programmer as long as i've i mean as long as i've been in denver and uh, since I cover horror movies, we just I just keep running into you all over the place. <laughs> and so we've had a full probably like 15 minutes of conversations over the course of like seven years. And and uh, so this is this is really cool to get a chance to like get your get your thoughts. And I'm, I'm really yeah, honored that you. you would talk. So uh, tell me a little bit about you've been running Scream Screens uh, for for quite a while. I said said seven years. I have no idea if that's actually right, but you're not, tell, you're not far off. <laughs> yeah, tell me what tell me what uh, it is, and then I'm going to ask you a little bit about how hard it is to put together a successful series. Yeah, so Scream Screen, um, as we kind of know it, is a horror and uh, cult cinema and genre quarterly film series with the C Film Center, which is home to the Denver Film Society. And I have been doing my series there for, uh, it'll be five years this June, which is crazy how time goes. And then mm. it did exist for a year prior to that at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton. Mm. And then uh, I had been showing films for, for quite some time before that at just a variety of bars and, and venues around the Denver area, dating back to, I think, 2011 or 2012. Um, just starting at a little dive bar called Crash 45 in Glossville. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I think I remember seeing some of those uh, some of those showings listed uh, at Crash 45 back back a number of years ago, and I remember when you were doing some. I swear, I think you did a Giallo picture that I went to at uh, oh, at yeah. the Alamo. I, a, I a love Giallo movies. I mean, those are one of my favorite genres. Um, I did a uh, Giallo films of Dario Argento series uh, at the Sea 
few years ago mm-hmm. um, that was Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Opera, Deep Red, and Tenebra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't. I I know I didn't go to to that series, but I do think that I went to Suspiria, which where you you might have been been doing that uh, one. Yes, I've definitely showed Suspiria a few times. Not a giallo film, but that's okay. okay. It's supernatural. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> it's supernatural, so not technically a giallo film, but definitely Argento's, you know, most famous movie and, and probably the one that everybody loves the most. And, you know, it's amazing, of course. So I want to ask you, uh, well, actually, by the way, you mentioned Argento, and I want to ask you sometime, even if you don't get to it today, what the hell happened with his, with his Dracula? But that's not what I want to ask you. Oh, about, right? my God. I'd love to talk about that. Oh, but yeah, we can say that. That we, how many hours do we have blocked out to uh, take that piece of trash apart? <laughs> we we covered it. We covered it, Teresa. Oh. Damn it! Now I I feel myself heading down this direction. But the thing is, oh. we covered that movie, and we all were like. This is making us reassess Argento. This is uh, like making us go, have we been wrong for like yeah, 50 no, he, years? And Here's and... My, my very, very, very brief uh, stance on that. Is I don't truly believe that he made that movie. There is no way, even after all these years later, that the man that made Suspiria and made all those amazing Jalo movies, there is no right. way that that is the same human being. That it does seem unlikely <laughs> that the man who made Deep Red, that eye... That the that the oh. because even when when Carpenter was making his like like movie of the week remake of Village of the Damned, it's not a great film, but at least shows a little class. Yeah, you know, I like shows... Village of the Damned personally, but but I don't even think that you know. Jacko 3D is in it's a complete class of itself. I mean, it's it's borderline unwatchable. Mm-hmm. No, I think you that's know, fair. That's... A, <laughs> yeah, we don't need okay, to waste so... that. It's terrible. <laughs> So, all right, but here's my question. Uh, you you listed a whole bunch of really cool stuff, like like the films of Dario Argento. You've done series like, you know, the new French Extremity and and, mm-hmm. and so forth, and uh, the psychosexual films of David Cronenberg. I loved mm-hmm. seeing um, a video drum, you know, on a big screen. But yeah. here's here's my my question to you, La- Lars Nielsen, who used to do the programming at the Alamo back in in Austin where I kind of started cutting my teeth on cult movies. He always mm-hmm. said it was so difficult to program a series that both was what you wanted to talk about and write <laughs> about. And that people, like enough people to buy soda and pizza would yeah. actually show up and watch. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make those decisions? Absolutely. So that's that's couldn't be more correct. I mean, that's kind of the never ending struggle. When I started Scream Screen, my kind of direction, my goal was to show, you know, what I consider to be really important films that were lesser seen in the horror Mm -hmm. genre. And, you know, it's so hard now because you're competing with, you know, streaming services and people don't want to leave their house. You know, they have a Mm -hmm. giant TV. It's why would they want to go out to see Videodrome? They've seen it, you know, to death. So for me, it is still, I really try not to compromise on the films that I want to show. You had mentioned Videodrome. So like, for instance, when I you know, definitely had to include that in a Cronenberg series oh, yeah. and was lucky enough. We found a 35 millimeter print. Um, mm-hmm. So that right there to me, I'm a huge film person. I appreciate being able to show things on film, which the C film center does still have capabilities. The only theater in Denver actually that still has film capabilities, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of people like us, film nerds, they'll come out and see something. Even if they just saw it last week, they'll come see it just to see it on a film print. Oh yeah. So I do absolutely. try to get film, film whenever possible, you know, and that all is based upon, is there even a decent film print out there that looks good 
sometimes they're just, you know, there was never a print that was struck. So sometimes it's not even an option or, you know, they're just not in good quality. Um, or a lot of times they're also just um, so outrageously priced that it's it's just not an option. Um, How does that work, but, you know, by I, the way? I, I don't want to, I, I, I want to hear the rest of this answer, but I want to derail for just a second and say, yeah. let's say you're sitting around, you're going, boy, it'd be cool to watch House by the Cemetery. Mm-hmm. I know there's a brand new Blu-ray. Can I get mm-hmm. my hands on a, uh, a film? Who do you, are there, do you call various places around the country and say, you have a, you have a 35 millimeter copy? Of- yes. So, so okay. there's a variety of sources. Some are private collectors, which there's a shocking amount of private collectors out there that collect 35 and 16 millimeter prints of films, of trailers, of shorts. Um, and then a lot of times studios still own prints as well. Sometimes mm. directors have their own private copies. So there's a variety of sources, but it is, you know, reaching out. And then once you kind of get into that world, you start you know, <clears throat> having contacts. So it's not as hard. Um, and then Keith Garcia with the C Film Center, he is now the, I believe his title is like chief creative director. You know, he's mm. been programming for God, I don't know, 20 plus years. So he has you know, a lot of contacts and is a tremendous resource with tracking down a lot of this um, more obscure, hard to find stuff, which I wouldn't consider Videodrome that. But um, like I did another series that was, um, I called it as seen on TV. And mm-hmm. it was all specifically made for TV movies from like 70s and 80s. But oh, all man. of them we were able to show on 16 millimeter, which was awesome. Um, That's the format that all of those were shot on. So truly the way they were meant to be seen. In a series like that, you know, I'm concerned, like, is anybody going to come to this? You know, if I don't sell tickets, if I don't put butts in seats, you know, my days are numbered. The theater's not going to keep taking a loss. But this series has has really grown over the five years it's been at that theater. Every single quarterly series, there are more people attending than the series before it. Mm. And that is now enabling me to not only get more film prints, but get more special guests and starting to bring out, you know, out of Colorado guests. Um, I brought out Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp in December as part of a cabin horror uh, series. And this was her very first time ever coming to Colorado. So that was like a tremendous, amazing night and just a really cool milestone. And then um, in bringing out Brian Trenchard Smith uh, this Friday for the presentation of Dead End Drive-In. So really hoping to continue bringing out more guests now that there is a bigger audience and uh, more tickets are being sold to spend some money to start taking it to the next level. So there's there's no like calculus you can really do that says... Oh, I know that Night of the Scarecrow is too is not is well known enough that people will show up. But I know that I, I once asked you about Season of the Witch, and you were like, "I don't uh-huh. think I could get people to come to see Season." Of the Witch. <laughs> I and, can still stand by that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure, and I don't disagree with you at all. I, 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 I you know, I just was saying I really like Season of the Witch, but yeah, because I like you know I like sort of sleepwalky slow mm-hmm. 1960s horror that is my thing but <laughs> but but that's where you have to put on your programmer hat and go you know yeah sure let's all get mellow and watch you know let's scare jessica to death but i might not be able yeah. to show it yeah yeah um absolutely and that is you know always a tricky one i love a lot of subgenres and a lot of different stuff but there are certain things too where i'm like you know legitimately are people going to come out to this you know yeah. and that is a fine line between I don't want to show, you know, I love, I love popular horror too. I love the thing. I love Halloween, just like everybody else. And I've shown both of those and I know it's going to be fucking packed. That's a guarantee. 
Right. But those lesser known films, you know, I still, there's certain things I think I can get away with. And then there's other things I'm just like, no one's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do, I do believe now again with, um, you know, the audience is coming and I have heard, you know, one of the, the nicest compliments that I have ever received is people saying to me, like, I've never heard of this movie, but if you're telling me I need to see it, I'll come yeah. see it. Yeah. And, and, you know, that has come with time and, and me watching millions of hours of movies. That's amazing. So, you know, it strikes me, you were talking about things are available, you know, you might have seen The House by the Cemetery or whatever on a streaming service or on Tubi or something, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, somebody might want to come out and watch it on a big screen. But what what strikes me is I'm often amazed at what's not available, you know, mm-hmm. that, that, that you might take pick something like that, you know, it, it might be the month out of the year that Deep Red is just simply not rentable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and nobody has you know people are buying less and less DVDs so to some extent uh, you know you're, you're it's one starfish at a time but you're fighting against <laughs> the unavailability of a lot of these yeah and that's something that always kind of ebbs and flows and there's certain things like I and I I haven't you know checked this information as of today but like for instance Hellraiser I uh-huh. think that is like a classic horror movie. Still not as big as like, you know, a thing or Halloween or like those franchises. I've been wanting to show Hellraiser for years and like certain stuff like that. You just you can't get the rights to it, Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that those rights will never become available. But you just kind of got to forever keep it on your radar. And there's so many companies now, Arrow for one, um, that are doing all these 4K restorations. Sure. And so that's also getting a lot of this more kind of forgotten stuff back into circulation. I know you and I had talked about Let's Scare Jessica to Death, which um, I was definitely late on that bandwagon. I didn't watch that, honestly, probably to like a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah? I was just shocked, A, that I had not seen it for whatever reason. And like, that is such an incredible movie. The speed, the pacing, the tone, the ending, it is a masterpiece. Yeah. The, the female protagonist that is some of like the best female lead horror acting out there, you know. Um, Zora Lambert is a uh, Zora is, Lambert. Is yes, yes, she's, she's amazing. She's she is just absolutely fantastic, and the, I can't remember the name of the woman who plays who's the the other the other female lead. But no, it is chock full of good actors. Oh, it, it it's is so good. Um, yeah. yeah, but so that, you know, kind of just recently resurfaced because it really wasn't super accessible for quite some time. But, you know, there's like a new Blu-ray of it. Um, mm. I think I had mentioned to you the director um, had his own 16 millimeter print. And there's a amazing theater in Chicago called The Music Box. And they do a really cool 24 hour horror marathon every October, most of which is film. Uh And they were able to bring him out. I think he's either was in Chicago or New York City. They were able to bring him out. I I, I can't remember. I can't remember his name either. We should look that up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he was awesome and brought out his own print. And what a treat to watch the director's own print with the director there. And, um, you know, it doesn't get much cooler than that. Talk to me a little bit about... uh, dead end driving because i confess to you because i yeah. don't oh it was handcuffed by the way let's scare just get it out the reason John i Hancock. thought smith i remember it was like one of those names that sounds almost made up yeah Hancock. John Hancock. <laughs> yeah yes. uh but okay but but uh dead end driving i don't know this movie because i am woefully behind on my 80s exploitation horror especially okay. ozploitation so 
So give it to me like we're like we're falling down an elevator shaft and you're trying to explain this movie to me. <laughs> Very quickly. Uh, Dead and Drive-In, 1986, Australian, I would call it Ozploitation is the subgenre. Mm-hmm. Um, very post-apocalyptic, um, kind of dead end kids, unemployed young people living on the dole all end up at this drive-in and are never allowed to leave because they <laughs> are like a burden on society. So, you know, they're, they're fed burgers and popcorn and soda and they live out of their cars and, and most of them are totally okay with it. They're like, yeah, I wasn't really working or doing anything out there anyway. So yeah. I can just be, like, be a punk and a criminal in here. And uh, one, one dude ends up there on a date and decides that he, he's not going to stay at the, the drive-in forever. He can do better and he's dedicated to escaping uh, with or without the support of the other punks. And I feel terrible. A, I can't believe I haven't a, seen this. It's great. Sound, it's, I, <laughs> it's great. That, that sounds Very, like um, Escape from New York, essentially. Yeah, it's Escape for, from the Drive-In in yeah, Australia. Yeah, Escape from the Drive-In. <laughs> That's aming. It wow. is very smart, very intelligent. Um, there's definitely, you know, some kind of darker themes, anti-immigration themes, very concentration camp feel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people realize what is happening to them. Others don't realize and others don't care. Um, you know, a very police state. Uh, Australia, I know, has been known for many years, you know, they are very anti-immigration. And, you know, this was going back to 1986 that that, you know, it's it's definitely a subtext, but it's also pretty in your face as the film, you know, kind of progresses into the fourth act. Wow. Yeah, no, I've 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 uh, I've been looking over the sort of the, the plot descriptions and it, and it sounds it sounds really wild and, and very <laughs> topical. I, I, do you do you find it fascinating to watch a movie like that and go, Wow, this is telling me a lot about what the audience was thinking about society, you know, like in 68 or in 86 or, or, or whatever. I mean, yeah, do you feel like horror gives you an angle on what culture is thinking at different times? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that is so much of what propels people to write horror and, mm-hmm. and write genre films is is the political climate they're living in, you know, what is going on in people's lives that you know, we're living in a pretty crazy time right now with our current uh, leadership and government. And, you know, that has spawned some some very good horror in the past few years. Movies like Us, mm-hmm. um, you know, absolutely. That is horror is such a great gauge for what is going on and what people are truly afraid of in our society. It's funny to me how sometimes horror, just like sci-fi, can say things or explore things that nobody's exploring in, in the mainstream. And, and the example mm-hmm. I was thinking of is, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Return of the Vampire, which is a 1943 vampire movie with uh, Bela Lugosi. But what's really mm-hmm. interesting about it, it. I, yeah, and I mean, it's definitely a B picture, right? It was Bela Lugosi a little later, but before the real downfall. But, you know, he and he plays a vampire. But what's really interesting is the lead, it's 1943, the lead is a female scientist who... They track her research and work as she leads a hospital over the course of like 20 years, you know, between wars and it's all wrapped up in the war and and stuff. But what's wild is her gender makes not a damn bit of difference in this movie. Hmm. None. Wow. There's, there's no commentary whatsoever of the fact that this, this boss scientist is a woman there's nothing at the same time that 1943 in a mainstream hollywood picture there'd be all this sort of bullshit uh you know dialogue about a woman's place and yada 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 none of that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and i think that's because 
when you're making a cult picture, a B picture, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And so I, I just, by the way, I recommend that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, I'm writing it down right much. now. Yeah. yeah. Return. No, I think, and that's one of the great things about horror or genre is there's just so much more leeway to get mm-hmm. away with things. And that doesn't mean it, it's not, um, you know, taken as seriously. I think that it's just, that's one of the great things about the genre is you can, you can simply get away with more. This series is wrapping, I guess, this week with Dead End Drive-In with the director. Mm -hmm. So tell us uh, what's coming up and what else would you like to tell us about? Yeah, so this series, Hell on Wheels, all um, automotive terror, started it with a a 1973 Psychomania, and then Valentine's Day with Cronenberg's Crash on 35mm. Last week did a non-horror movie, but still terrifying, William Friedkin's Sorcerer. And then Mm. this Friday, the 28th, it'll be uh, wrapping up with Dead End Drive-In with Brian Trenchard-Smith in person. So very excited for that and to get him back out here. Um, And then Scream Screen will return in uh, mid-May, May May 15th through June 12th for five Fridays instead of four. And uh, working on some, this will be a director-inspired series, so I'll work for one specific director and working on some fun stuff in there, trying to get a special guest out in addition to a triple feature. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, And you, I know that you actually... Yeah, you've started growing this, like you're you're moving into like branded products and, and stuff like that. Yes, yes. Um, I actually am a co-owner of a Colts and horror apparel company called Colts Legacy. Um, and we do specifically T-shirts and enamel pins right now, but we'll be branching out into some other products um, this coming year. And, um, you know, we it's with one of my closest girlfriends and her husband and my partner. And, you know, we're huge movie people, horror, of course, of course, but also just love all cinema. And um, my friend, Fenny Hagman, she is the artist that designs all of the artwork for our company. So it's all inspired by film, but with her very unique interpretation um, of characters and of scenes and uh, very excited about the company. We're just over a year old, doing a lot of pop-ups and online sales and are going to start moving into hopefully doing some more um, conventions and getting out of Colorado this year. That's fantastic. Well, wonderful. I, I, I am so excited that we had a chance to talk and I, I have a feeling that if we wanted to, we could just like sort of jabber on for hours about. about... <laughs> yes, we'll need to go meet up sometime and get beers and then we can talk about Oh, Dracula 3D and all what those wonderful yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, and and but but you know I feel talking to you like I've learned a lot about about programming and and sort of how to do it. I think it would take me years to understand how not to do it, and so I think that's <laughs> that's probably the talent that you bring to it, right? And oh, and you. and so I, I I'm really thankful. I hope you have a fantastic week and a really successful show. And I hope we get a chance to talk again soon. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure talking with you as well. Night. Bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.